Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. It is Monday, April 19th. This is Blake Wilson, Lifeline's Vice President of Operations. And today we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, diving into the first eight verses of this passage. You know, as as I was preparing and and studying for this, um, I began to to look at things that maybe have changed since I was a kid. And I don't think we have to spend too much time thinking about that. Um, If you grew up in the 70s or the 80s of the difference of things that have happened um, from when you were a kid versus what is in front of our kids and and trying to talk to our children about these things now, you know, one of the things I think has changed probably the most is going to be the way we communicate and phones specifically in that phones have changed so much, you know, and my wife and I were talking to our kids not too long ago and trying to help them understand what a home phone was, you know, what, because most people don't have a home phone now. They just have a cell phone. All the kids know are smartphones, touchscreen phones. They don't know anything about what we, what we used to call just a a home phone. It was just a phone on the wall, mounted to the wall. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go all the way back to rotary phones, but a wall mounted phone with a cord before cordless phones were there. And, And specifically, I remember the upgrade that my family got with the long, phone cord. I mean, that phone cord must have been 20 feet long. I remember my mom walking around the house with that cord, you know, through every single room, it would stretch so far. But that was kind of the first um, first phone that I remember was the phone mounted to the wall with a little short cord. And we had the chair sitting right beside the phone. When you wanted the top of the phone, you sat in the chair because that was it, right? But now the, the phones have changed. We all have them in our pockets. We have them in our cars. We have them on our arms. Um, we have phones connected to us everywhere, and we're able to communicate. Things have changed drastically um, in so many different areas, from phones to cars to the music we listen to. It all has morphed and changed. But I think what we are looking here in First Thessalonians chapter four, what Paul is telling what telling us is that is that we're dealing with the same sexual sin tendencies today that the Thessalonians were dealing with then. Sexual immorality has been around for generations and generations and generations. It is it is um, at the core of shortcomings and at the core of sin, um, of just the enticement of um, sexual immorality. And this is what Paul's reminding them of in this passage today, is that um, flee, flee from this sin. You know, and he's particularly diving in and looking at Rome and the difference here of looking at the Jews and the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles, right, there was no moral compass. There was just no restraint on moral character, especially in the matters of sex, that it was just, um, it was it was available, it was accepted, prostitution was everywhere. It was even in some parts was viewed as um, an act of worship to their so-called gods, Um and the prostitution that even took place in the temple. So it's it's so crazy to see the the what seems so far fetched, but the world that we live in now in 2021 and how corrupt and sexually 
um, sexually uh, morphed, we have made things from what the Lord intended um, when it comes to the track to holiness and sexual purity. Um, so let's pick this up and looking at um, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you were doing, <clears throat> that you do some more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. He says that you received from us on how you ought to walk. I think that word is crucial for us as we look into this because we, we throw that around a lot, right? How's your walk? Are you walking with the Lord? Um, it is just part of Christian language now. But I think what we um, studied a few months back as we were going through a statement of faith and the inerrancy of Scripture and how every word is God-breathed and how it is there on the pages for a reason, um, that word walk is the same way. And I think when when you look at the, the believer's walk, it's very easy for us <clears throat> to just to skim over that. But when we look at what walk actually means, it is truly taking one step at a time, putting one foot in front of the other to get from one place to the other. Um, but, I, but I think with walking, walking is slow, right? It is a slow pace. It is to keep you balanced. It's to keep you from falling. It's to keep you from stepping into trouble. You know, I think during the summer, now it's the springtime. Um, it is it is the time of year where if you're outdoors and if you're like my family, we love to be outside. We are outside the majority of the time, um, either in the yard, doing a project, um, on our front porch, taking a hike, taking a walk. We're outside a lot, but this is the season, right, where snakes are everywhere. Snakes are coming out. It is the springtime. You have to be careful when you're in the woods. You have to be careful um, of where you're walking, right? So if you're not, it's very easy if you're just running um, to not be aware of your surroundings and, and that you could um, seize an, an unwanted friend, right? Or another another example is we were working in the yard a couple weekends ago planting grass. And the first thing that we did was go through with some large rocks that we were digging up. We got all the small ones up and we had to either shovel and dig the large rocks up so that we could till our yard and begin to plant grass seed. Well, in that, I left a big divot, a big hole in my yard, and my daughter was running, and she fell, and she she tripped, right? She wasn't watching where she was going because she was moving so fast that her foot went in the hole where the rock was, and she fell down. So when we run, we don't have a steady pace, right? It's easy to, it's easy to stumble. It's easy to fall because you're not looking at your surroundings. Well, when Paul is writing this, he says, you ought to walk. He's saying you have to do this. It's a slow journey, right? It is being aware of your surroundings so that you don't stumble, so that you don't fall, so that you're aware of what is happening. And this is what he's saying. This is how you're going to keep from falling into sexual immorality is to keep your eyes on the Lord, to think back about what he's instructed you to do, to not get in such a hurry with life in general that you begin to stumble, you begin to fall because you're just not... Um, you're just not aware. So he's saying to put one foot in front of the other and be careful. So God is deeply concerned. Hear this. God is deeply concerned with our walk and how we live our Christian life. He wants us to walk a steady walk with him and to stay focused on what he's called us to do. So verse three picks up, and this is kind of the key point of this passage. And it says, for this time, um, for this is his will, this is the will of God, and it's your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. 
All right, so we have a compare and contrast, and you're going to see this theme happen quite a bit throughout the, the remaining of the scriptures. And this is his will, right? His his will is sanctification. His will is to, to grow, to have this process of growth and knowledge, obedience and holiness. But on contrast, it's to stay away from sexual immorality. So he says, I want you to walk in sanctification for this is the will of God, your sanctification. He wants us to grow in knowledge, obedience, holiness, and he wants us to flee, abstain from sexual immorality. So that is staying away from anything that is going to um, that that could keep us from falling into to that level of sin. We need to learn to control our own bodies um, in that way that we can be holy and honorable in a relationship with Him. Like those words, I think too, of of holy and honorable is just a, a beautiful picture of what. Um, of what marriage is. That next verse says in verse four, it says that each one of you know how to control his body in holiness and honor. When we enter into a relationship, a covenant marriage between a man and a woman, that holiness and honor, that holy matrimony is created by our father. He wants us um, to build a relationship with him and therefore have a union with your spouse. Um, this is what he has has created, a holy picture, a holy and honorable relationship um, that you have with your spouse that is created by God. But again, there on the contrast, he says, not sexual immorality, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So you've got, we talked about this just briefly at the beginning, but you've got the Gentiles and the Jews and these Gentiles are just coming from a sexually loose culture. There's no, there's no um, barometer of truth. Just whatever you want to do, you can do. Um, and, and this is what the Thessalonian, Thessalonians are being surrounded by. Just this culture of sexual activity, of immorality. It's around every corner. There's no compass. You just do what you want to do. And now all of a sudden, Paul is telling Thessalonians to follow truth, to follow the journey of sanctification, to follow the Lord in all things. And that is completely countercultural from what they knew. Like, why in, the, why in the world is this so unique? Why is this so different? Why is this so opposite of what our community and what our country is doing? And he's saying, pursue sanctification, not sexual immorality. And the, the root word of this, even when you look um, into sexual immorality in this passage, there in verse number three, the root word of that is pornea. And I don't think we have to take that too much further for us to understand where, where pornea um, and how that plays into our culture today. Guys, pornography is around every corner. It's the fastest growing, largest business in our, in our world. Pornography is the root of so many marriages falling apart. It is the root of so many people falling away from their relationship with the Lord, of, of that self, um, of fulfilling their self-desires more than their, their walk, their slow and steady walk and growing relationship with the Lord. So the, these Thessalonians lived in this pagan environment with this, this looseness sexually. Um, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't only uh, practice, but it was also encouraged. It was just everywhere around them, from the temples to the streets, and it was just a very sexual culture. And Paul is saying, abstain from this. He says, pursue sanctification, 
um, and abstain from this immorality. And he says, because each one of you know how to control your body, and that is through holiness and honor. This is the this is your temple. This is what the Lord has called you to do. Do not follow the passions or lusts like these Gentiles. It's different, but he said it's for your own good. Follow the Lord in all things. And verse six, because that no transgression um, and uh, sorry that no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as he told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. Guys, there will be consequences for sexual immorality, and Paul is reminding these new believers of the same thing. Is it maybe everywhere around you and everybody else may be doing it, but at, at the end of the day, there will be consequences for this behavior. There will be consequences for, for your sexual immorality. There will be punishment. So sexual sin will not go unpunished. You know, it can have immediate consequences in the personal discipline um, on a believer, but but God will not let this go unpunished. It may be now, it may, may be later, but ultimately it will not go unpunished and that the Lord um, will, um, uh, will follow through and there will be consequences for our sin. So there's a warning there that Paul is giving these believers. Don't wrong your brother in this matter, right? Don't make your brother stumble. Don't don't wrong those around you, because the Lord, the Lord will um, seek revenge on this. And then number verse number seven says, "For God has not called you to impurity, but to holiness." There again, compare and contrast. He's called you to sanctification, not immorality. He's called you to holiness, not impurity. This is what the Lord wants from us. He has called us this journey um, of holiness, and I and I think this. This can go back to um, the the walk. You know, we started off talking about the the intentionality of a walk with the Lord, of of pacing yourself, of doing this journey of life with our Savior, putting one foot in front of the other day by day, in a in an obedience and devotion to our Heavenly Father. And I think there's a couple ways that we need to be reminded of on how that happens. And the first is just your personal devotion to the Lord. It is it is. Spending time with Him in the Word, studying the Word, meditating on the Word, reading the Word to where it becomes part of your life, to where it it rolls off your tongue, where it comes to mind. When you are faced with trial, temptation, need, you are able to recite the Scriptures because it is just ingrained in your DNA. It is who you are. So know the Scriptures, study the Scriptures, spend time in prayer understanding the Father to where there is that communion and that relationship between you and your Father um, to where you are strong and steady in the time of need. The second way I think that is important is for us to really um, not take for granted the importance to be surrounded by other believers. These Thessalonians were surrounded by an immoral culture. The believers were few and far between, and I'm sure that sometimes they got they felt defeated or they felt lonely or they felt we are the only ones doing this. Guys, it's so important for us to be engaged in a church, surrounded by other believers who are on the same path of sanctification, the same path of holiness, the same, the same um, uh, moral compass in what is right and what is wrong. So be engaged um, in the local church. And then I think third, um, I think it's very important for us to have um, not only a personal relationship with with the Lord and spend daily time with Him, uh, be engaged in corporate worship, but also have um, a close inner circle of accountability in our lives. You know that can be um, that that can be your spouse, 
That can be um, an accountability partner, somebody in your life to where you can be completely candid and transparent with of those struggles and hardships to where we can rely on the Lord in those times of need. Somebody you can let your guard down with, somebody you can speak openly with, somebody that can encourage you and really call you out as well is going to help us um, become consistent and walk this journey with, with strength and stability. And then the last verse in this chapter eight of chapter four, verse eight says, therefore, whoever disregards this disregards, not man, but God who gives his Holy spirit to you guys. We have the Holy spirit in us. We have the spirit of the Lord. And that is all that we need as we do this journey. Um, so the per, uh, there is a, a person who um, knows God by faith in Christ Jesus should not only show his attitudes towards sex and marriage, should they drastically change as he gains a knowledge of the word, but as he also discovers um, that God gives him the ability to handle this temptation as he couldn't before. Guys, when we have the spirit in us, it says that, that um, God who gives his Holy Spirit to you, when we have the spirit in us, we gain this knowledge and understanding of who he is, and then we are better able to cope when it comes to sexual temptation as we couldn't before, because it is the Holy Spirit in us that is um, speaking, that is keeping us um, on the path to sanctification because of what he has done through us. So so the Lord um, is so faithful. The Lord is so good. And let us be reminded of this today as we follow him and serve him this week. Um, today, we are going to be wrapping up our time. I'm praying for foster care and just praying for those partnerships, those children, um, those foster families who are in process. Um, the Lord is doing great things in our foster care program. So as we close out today, let's pray for our foster care ministry across the nation at Lifeline. Dear Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing um, in our partnerships with foster care. God, there are so many great churches that are stepping up um, God, we're grateful for these churches as they host these classes, as they help us recruit families to attend these classes. Um, Lord, we couldn't do it without these church partners. So God, we're grateful for them. We're grateful for these partners across the state as well. Lord, to know that through DHR, DSS, DFACS, and so many others, um, Lord, that you've given us relationships with. God, we pray that you bless those workers that work, are working for the state. God, give them perseverance, give them endurance, and give them wisdom. Um, Lord, as they, as they serve children and families all across these states. God, we pray for these, these children that are in care. God, we pray for um, their salvation. God, we pray for the healing, for the trauma that they've endured, and for reunification to these families. Um, Lord, we pray for these adoptive families um, when these parental rights have been terminated. God, we pray for these children. God, may these families that we are training, these churches we are partnering with, God, may, may they all work together for the good of these children and the eternal hope and salvation of their souls. God, we pray for these birth families. Um, Lord, may they be motivated to accomplish their goals. Lord, may they um, get the support they need as well as they maybe are, have experienced trauma personally. Um, Lord, give them freedom from those strongholds in their life, God. But first and foremost, we pray for their salvation. God, we pray just as we pray for those little ones. Um, we pray for these family salvations as well. God, for these foster families, may they speak truth into them. May they be intentional in sharing the gospel. 
And God, we are grateful for these beautiful stories of reunification that have happened, for the volume of people attending these classes, and God, for these church leaders that have stepped out to host these Fostering Hope events across the nation. Lord, we are so thankful for these almost 50 families who are currently in process at Lifeline um, to, to care for these children, Lord, and to share and disciple who you are and the love that you first have shown them. So God, we're grateful for foster care and the opportunity to be in this space. And we ask these things in your name. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Mm-hmm.